Welcome to Know Better, Live Best. I am your host, Carrie Ginger. Our guest today is currently serving as Miss Muscatine and was the first runner-up for Miss Iowa. Maggie Gelson started her own nonprofit called Trauma Queens, which is dedicated to helping survivors of sexual trauma heal their bodies and minds, utilizing holistic methods like movement and mindfulness. Maggie currently lives in Eastern Iowa and works as a personal trainer and health coach. Listen in as Maggie talks about surviving sexual assault and tips for those of you out there going through the same thing or stress of any kind. Know Better Live Best is dedicated to supporting food and health literacy in people of all ages. Our mission is to cut through the misinformation surrounding food, health, and nutrition because we believe that when people know better, they can make the right choices and live their best lives. We are presented by Biteable Foods. They use blockchain and Internet of Things technology to build traceable, transparent food systems because it shouldn't take an investigative journalist to find out where food comes from. Well, hi, I'm here with Maggie Gelson. Hi, Maggie. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this. So tell the listeners a little bit about your background. Yeah, so um, just kind of a standard background. I am the youngest of five kids. I am originally from DeWitt, Iowa, so small town over in eastern Iowa. And um, I'm a 2013 graduate of DeWitt Central High School and a 2017 graduate of the University of Alabama. So I went there and got my undergrad. Um, My bachelor's is is in exercise science. So went there for that and then moved back recently to Iowa. And I'm loving being back in the Midwest. It's wonderful. So (laughs) um, yeah, the South was definitely different, but a good experience. So um, now I am a health coach and I work at a coffee shop. So um, yeah, that's kind of the the gist of what I'm doing now. I am a I don't want to say retired pageant queen. I'm not sure if retirement <laughs> is the word I want to use yet, but I've been doing pageants all my life and I also started my own nonprofit. So that's kind of the the general background about me. Oh, so that's a pretty big background. So when, how old were you when you started pageants? You know, I was actually 11 and uh, the most common question that comes along with that is, is did your mom sign you up or were, you know, did your parents push you into pageants? Was it like toddlers and tiaras? And uh, <laughs> it totally wasn't. It, you know, it was through, uh, at that time, it was still through the Miss America organization. So, um, you know, we did pretty much all of, it was like a mini Miss Iowa. So it was, you know, we competed in evening gown and interview and all of the same things. And uh, I actually wanted to do it just because some girls at my baton studio were, were doing pageants. Oh, sure. So yeah, that's why I initially wanted to enter. My first pageant was Junior Miss Clinton County, and that was my first pageant that I won. So that was in 2007. So, yeah. I can only imagine the public speaking skills that come out of that. Something yes. I can benefit from, <laughs> but I can only imagine. That's probably the, the biggest, one of the biggest takeaways for sure. Um, you know, kind of thinking back to my first onstage question to how I answer them now is definitely funny to, to make that correlation. So you said, so you're the youngest of five. Yes. So brothers, sisters, what do you have? I have two brothers and two sisters. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I'm, um, well, I'm one of five. I'm actually the middle, child, okay. Okay. but yeah. not quite a middle because I have two older brothers and two younger brothers. So I'm gotcha. okay. like the only girl. <laughs> only girl. <laughs> I don't know if you really count that as a middle child, but yeah. <laughs> so big families are fun. That's awesome. Yeah. So aside from like the public speaking skills, what are some other skills you learned during your pageant time? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest things I think is um, 
I've learned resilience has been probably the, I think that's the first word that comes to mind when I think of pageantry. Um, and most people, you know, I don't think people will ever understand that unless they've actually been in a pageant or done that before. Um, but, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's like a sport. It's, you know, it's like your full-time job. It's, you work so hard for, for X period of time leading up to this one major event. And then that event either, you know, it either works out or it doesn't. Right. And so, um, so it's very like cut and dry in that way. But um, pageants are also always very subject subjective. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're doing them. But yeah, resilience is definitely the biggest thing. I don't think um, if it hadn't taught me resilience, I don't think I would have continued as far as I did with pageants. So that's definitely the word that, that I think of the most. Well, I think you have to. I mean, there's one winner, basically. That, I mean, that comes out of that. Yeah, there's so absolutely. many women that enter, so you yeah, have to be resilient. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's it's certainly not easy, you know, knowing that fact, but I think it's also what makes them so rewarding is that, you know, even though there's one winner, um, you're still always going to take something away when you when you leave that pageant. So um, I like to say, you know, every every pageant that I've done has taught me something different. So uh, yeah, that's always that's always great to to keep in mind. Okay, so what you with what you know now, what would you hope to share with those that are maybe just starting out in pageants? Um, I would think for me, the biggest thing, and this is something that's been kind of on my re on repeat in my head since June. Um, in June, I was first runner up to Miss Iowa. So uh, I spent, you know, a good chunk of my life being like, Miss Iowa is the goal. I'm going to be Miss Iowa someday, you know, saying all those things to myself. And then I got really, really close and it didn't work out. And so, you know, bearing all of that in mind, I think the biggest takeaway and the thing that I would tell another person who's just starting out is let that 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 pain or that struggle, let it teach you something. Um, you know, losing that was was not just something where, you know, oh, I lost a pageant, whatever. Um, you know, that was my dream for like 11 years. So it's kind of like, I always say too, that the grieving process and the learning curve that comes with letting that go. So I think the biggest thing is, yeah, just letting that pain have some kind of purpose and letting it teach you um, something about yourself because pain for me, pain always equals information. So if I can keep that in mind, I can always know that I'm going to come through that pain with learning something else that I hadn't known before. Well, and that's a great takeaway. Like I said, not just from pageants, but like you said, life in general, there's always going to be ups and downs in your life. What are you going to learn from the Absolutely. mistakes or what are you going to learn from, you know, the failures, if that's what even what you want to call yeah. it. Cause I think a lot yeah. comes from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's relevant for, um, you know, if you had a, if you had a dream job, it's no different than that, you know, being Miss Iowa was my dream job. So um, say you had a dream job and they chose the other candidate or, you know, whatever, things like that. You know, I think that's all very applicable to, to pageantry in that way. So what was your biggest takeaway when you were first runner up? Um, I think that I actually... I actually was way more proud of myself than I had ever like given myself credit for. Um, this last year of my life, I, I moved home from, from school and I spent pretty much the entire year um, preparing for Miss Iowa and preparing to be Miss Iowa and knowing that I could do the job and, and trying to give myself as many experiences that would allow me to prove to the judges that I was the most prepared for the job. Um, and you know, all of those experiences were, were so valuable. And so I think 
for me, if, if, you know, when they announced, you know, when they announced the winner. So first runner up is always, I always say this, that it's the hardest job in the entire room, the night of a pageant, because you don't get your first, you don't get your name announced. You don't get hardly any recognition. So it's kind of like, you know, it's, it really is the, I have a very soft spot for any first runner up of a pageant because you really don't get a lot of recognition. You know, at that moment, it's all about the winner. So, um, so I think at that moment, I, I was so proud of how far I had come, but you know, of course it was devastating. And of course it was hard to, to do that. But, um, but also the girl who won was my roommate and she was a girl who, you know, I was really good friends with. So that was also really sweet. So it's, you know, it, it was one of those moments where, um, after that, you know, it's, it's definitely been a challenge the last couple of months trying to like figure out, well, what am I going to do next? You know, this whole time I was planning that this next year of my life would be devoted to being right. in Iowa. So, so yeah, that's kind of been the the challenge at hand as of lately. But, um, but again, yeah, I think letting that pain just kind of teach you something is is always a good mantra to keep in mind, just so that you can work through it and, and heal as much as possible before you enter the next phase of life. So, right. Yeah. Which is, I mean, where you are right now and you've um, developed something pretty cool. So trauma queens, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. So trauma queens is a nonprofit I started in June of 2017 and its basic mission is to um, provide survivors of sexual assault and sexual violence, the tools that they need to learn how to heal their bodies and minds in a holistic way. So um, kind of taking back their bodies after that trauma and, you know, that's something that that kind of coincides with my my bachelor's degree. My bachelor's is in exercise physiology. So um, I, I sort of, you know, I picked that degree for a very basic love of, of health. Sure. And then it evolved into so much more after my assault when I was 21. So it, um, it, it kind of, in a way, became sort of like a science project. I sort of was using myself as this experiment to see what methods were going to work for me that weren't strictly, you know, medication or, um, you know, or just talk therapy, you know, what other methods could I use to heal myself in the wake of this trauma? So um, that's kind of where it all came from. And, and it's, it's evolving nicely. It's still new and it's still young, but it's something that I'm really excited about for the future. So that's the exciting part about it. And I love, I mean, by just journey to better health, just like joint issues and back issues, things like that, um, which also helps mental health when you're really focusing on as well. I think everyone can benefit from that. But when you said, you know, hopefully without medication, obviously medication, some people need it, but it's nice to work away from it if you can. And I love that you are trying to do that for yourself and then just the other women or even, you know, men out there yeah, <laughs> that go through something like this that is life altering. And I think you can mm-hmm. only understand it if you have truly been a victim right, right. yourself and you're, you know, you're not hiding, you're getting out there and you're, yeah. you know, helping other women hopefully talk about it and find other ways yeah. to help out with that. Yeah. And I just think it's an amazing thing. So I'm, I'm sure it was really hard for you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. At first it was, it was sort of one of those things where, yeah, like you said, you don't know until you've been there. So um, I think for me, luck, I mean, you know, I say this um, very like loosely, but like, quote, luckily, I, um, I had an assault that happened when I was 15 as well. So it was sort of like one of those things where 
I knew what the process was going to look like from that moment forward. I knew what the healing at first was going to look like. And it was, it wasn't going to be pretty and it wasn't going to be easy, but I knew that, you know, I was like, okay, therapy, that's going to be like first step, you know? So I think for me, it was in that moment, I thought to myself, oh yeah, like, of course, those are the things that I have to do to, to heal myself. Um, whereas, you know, if it had been my first assault, then I probably would have been like, what do I even, you know, where do I go first? So, um, I actually had some kind of background of, of where to go, uh, which I think ended up in turn being beneficial. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, for me, um, for me, medication was never the answer. I, you know, I've been diagnosed with panic disorder, depression, general anxiety disorder, and PTSD. At the time, I think I was 20, it was all four. So, um, you know, that's something that I thought to myself, I was like, if I can just try and do this medication free, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the way that they made me feel. And, and I, I wanted to be able to utilize, um, you know, activity movement of some kind, uh, you know, like yoga or, or even strength training now. And, uh, mindfulness, you know, meditation, uh, just being still with my breath mm-hmm. and, you know, nutrition was a big part of it too, which, you know, again, is, is what ties in with, with Vitable's, you know, mission is, right. is that, yeah, nutrition was kind of a, a key component of how I was ever going to heal my body, you know, right. and it still is. So, and it will be for the rest of my life. So yeah, I, you know, keeping all those things in mind, I think I had a really good, like solid foundation of of where to go um, mm-hmm. after the assault had happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's amazing after, you know, starting this podcast and talking to people of all different walks of life and we keep coming wow. back to the same thing. It's like mindfulness, um, yes. nutrition, taking yes. care of your body, listening to your body. And it's for okay. everything. It's not just for someone who wants to look good. It's, you know, how's your body mm-hmm. feeling? How are you? How's your mind? I think, I think it'd be rare to find someone who says, they're sound all the time. Yep. Nope. No problem. Yeah. I think it would be, I don't think you can find someone out there. Yeah. Rest is an everyday life, no matter what you go through. And then it brought you to this with this obviously awful, two awful things that have happened to you, but you've chosen to yeah. take it and help other people. Yeah. That's yeah. brave. That's brave in itself. So what have you, is there anything big you've really learned about the mind body connection then through this? Yes, definitely. Um, so when I actually, when I first started therapy, um, I started therapy when I was 19. So I actually didn't speak about my first assault until I was 19. Um, and then that's when my platform for pageants changed. And I, my platform then became, became um, you know, this whole platform that was based around preventing sexual violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Trauma Queens, of course, came a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think for me, the biggest thing was I started therapy and I started doing a really intense kind of therapy called EMDR therapy, um, which is a very, very common therapy used with survivors of rape, um, survivors of, you know, war veterans, um, you know, people who have endured intense traumas. So um, I started doing EMDR therapy and I always was, I was so thrown by it because one of the main goals of EMDR therapy is to basically activate both sides of your brain. So activating both the left side and the right side of your brain. So typically in a, in a very um, basic EMDR setting, they'll have you either hold two like vibrating uh, little, can't even like think of the word for them, but they're like, like circular things that you would hold in your hands and they vibrate back and forth. 
or they could um, tap your knees back and forth. Um, you know, something where there's a movement going from side to side that's going to activate both the left side and the right side of your brain. Um, and basically what it, what it does is, is your therapist or the person who's facilitating it will bring up whatever traumatic memory or, or whatever that you have from that experience and get you into the state of where you're about to um, basically relive that memory. Or for me, it was always like, get me to the point of almost having a panic attack. And then what they do is um, they basically help you to reinstate a positive thought um, that comes in into play. So for me, it was always like, I'm safe, you know, I'm, I'm going to be okay, like things like that. So kind of incorporating a positive mantra with it. Um, and for me, it was, I remember I'd go home from those therapy sessions and I'd sleep. I'd sleep for like 12 plus hours because I was just so exhausted physically. So, you know, that mind-body connection was definitely established in therapy, but now it's something that I utilize in, you know, my everyday life. I know that you know, the best way to avoid a panic attack is to stick with my meditation practice. Right. Um, going to yoga is something where like breathe into that spot, that spot of your body and you'll probably be able to um, extend it more, you know, things like that. So, so yeah, the, the mind body connection was definitely established for me in therapy, but has facilitated into other areas of my life now. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's fascinating. I'm almost embarrassed to even say this. So I, so I'm an educator. I'm getting ready to go back to work, which I'm excited about. I love my job. Yeah. Um, however, with my three little ones, mainly my one-year-old, I'm having a hard time getting all the work done. It's, it'll get done, but it's one of those oh, yeah. things put stress on yourself because you want everything to be perfect. Like, yeah. it's, I'm actually doing great. I'm having bits of hair fall out, and it's from stress. I'm like, okay, oh, yeah. I think you need to find something else. Like, I don't feel that stressed, but I think that's me like, yeah shoving it down yes. <laughs> if I have oh, hair falling <laughs> Oh yeah, no. And that's totally, like people do that all the time. Like I have to really catch myself sometimes and be like, is there an emotion or something that I'm, that I'm stuffing down that I actually mm -hmm. really need to release or let go of? Um, I always say like, you know, for me, I'm always like, I love to cry. And people are always like, oh, what? Like, that sounds really awful and morbid. And I'm like, no, like, it's the best. <laughs> like, you know, and that's kind of, again, going back to that, like therapy that I did, that was always like a big component of it was like, they get you to the brink of like crying or breaking down. And it's, and I think that always was like such a release that now I'm like, okay, well, if I need to release an emotion, the best way to do that is to just have a good cry. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I think we all kind of have stressors that we can't always recognize. And then our body is like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to send you this signal here through your hair falling out or, right. or, you know, or like whatever, um, you know, that happens. Or just you. different oh. pains in right. your body. Okay. This is another yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I am floored. Um, so I've been going out to my classroom, obviously here and there. And my back's been doing great. So I had back surgery about a year ago, and then wow. I've been trying to heal it outside mm -hmm. of that as well. And it's been doing really well. But I go back to my classroom, and it starts hurting. I'm like, I'm not doing anything where this back should hurt. And I just find it hilarious. Yeah. I'm home, and I'm picking up my daughter, and I'm bending down doing this, and it feels great. I'm like, okay, Carrie, you need to calm down. <laughs> because I think it's just it's that striving for perfection. You want things to go so well. And so you put the stress on yourself. It's nothing I can't work through. But now mm -hmm. I'm realizing it. And talking with you about this mind-body connection, yes. I'm like, I need to be a little more in tune or like take yes. a breath or something. Right. Well, and it's so hard to like remember to even 
you know, our lives are so busy and there's so much going on that we, we hardly remember to like take a breath, let alone, you know, spend 10 minutes meditating or, you know, whatever. So, so it's, it's challenging, you know, and it's, yeah, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be perfect and to, you know, do things absolutely perfect and, and get it right the first time. And, and that's just not how life works. And it's so, it's like the harshest reality of life. I think. It's like so, not real. It's like, come on. Yeah. Which yeah. is funny. It's like, I, I feel like at, at my age and I, I know that. So why am I still doing it? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely like, we always kind of forget it. I think it's certainly, I know. So yeah, I mean, it's, it takes time for sure. <laughs> right. So, and we were probably touching on it right now, but what do you wish maybe you knew a little more about, um, I guess through this all, or what would you suggest maybe to survivors or anything? I mean, that would just be more helpful for them. Yeah. Um, gosh, the first thing that I think the first thing that comes to mind is, um, and this goes for both like mental and physical strength, but like you are absolutely I wish somebody would have, would have told me like, you're stronger than you could ever possibly know. Because I think mentally that, that applies because, you know, I'm able to, I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I said, I have trained myself so well to like, to operate so well in like high stress situations that I could be like full, fl- full flight or flight fight or flight and be on stage, like emceeing a pageant, you know, like I told someone, cause I emceed a pageant like a month ago and like the whole time, like no one would have ever known, but the whole time I was standing up there and I just was like, my heart was like racing and I was like, what is going on? You know? And it's like, I think, you know, the human body is so, so incredibly miraculous and resilient. And it's like, it is the greatest tool that we have. It is the greatest gift that we have. Um, and so I think that, yeah, I just wish I, I wish I knew the strength that I had physically and mentally, like, um, mentally, you know, just being able to be like, I'm going to be okay. You know, my senior year of college, um, my assault happened about a week before my senior year began. And I remember like, there were nights where I would, call my mom crying at like 1am. Like, this is like, you know, my mom is like, I'm her youngest kid. Like she's, you know, my parents are so ready to be done with like parenting. I think like they've been raised for like 40 years. So, um, but you know, I'd call her like in the middle of the night and just be like, I used to be, um, you know, like survivors typically have like a lot of, and just people with general anxiety, you know, disorder, they typically have like little ticks, like one thing that they'll get stuck on that they can't, you know, especially people with like OCD too, one thing they get stuck on that they can't, um, back away from that they're really terrified of. So for me, um, it was seizures, like see, like having a seizure was always my biggest fear. Um, I had a friend who passed away during a seizure. So it was like, that was always like a subconscious fear I had that ended up coming to the surface after my assault. So I always had this fear, like, I'm going to have a seizure. I'm going to be alone. It's going to be awful, you know? And I would call her and just be like full blown in a panic attack. And then, you know, and then I'd wake up the next day and I'd be, and I'd be like, I'm alive. Like I'm here. Like, you know, this is good. Like the body is so incredibly resilient. Like the stress that I think about that my body's endured and, and still come out on the other side, just fine. It's, it's unbelievable to me. So 
I think if I had a piece of advice, it would just be to kind of keep that in the back of your brain that, you know, you are stronger than you will ever possibly be able to, to fathom. So, uh, yeah, that's my, my biggest takeaway, I think for sure. Oh my goodness. You are, you are so right. It's, it's one of those things that everyone needs to know. I, I've, like I said, the last year I've really come, um, more interested in the mind body connection yeah. just at the beginning stages. So this is so fun talking to you, but cause everything that's come up in my life, I'm like, I think it's led me to this podcast to learn more yeah. about it. I'm just, like I said, loving every bit about it and talking to all these awesome people and people need to know mm-hmm. you will be okay because your yes. body is strong. We are made yes. to be strong. We are made to, you know, persevere. We are, re- you know, resilient. It's, Amazing. So I love that you gave that advice. I think yeah. all listeners are agreeing with you right now, yeah. right now, because they can all come with um, yes. you know, just a situation where they felt that, you know, something wasn't going to be okay. And that doesn't mean that it's not going to take time and that you're not going right. to work at it. Mm-hmm. But Absolutely. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. That was definitely, I think something that I also kind of learned through, through my therapy, through that EMDR therapy, that was something where like, there were times where I was like, there's no way my body can like withstand this kind of like stress. Right. And then, you know, and then now looking back, of course, you know, almost two years later, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like I was going to be okay. So you have no idea until you, you know, until you come out on the other side. So yeah, it's it definitely, I think that's, that's been the biggest takeaway for me. So you've had, so like the pageants and your therapy and I mean, you're just a strong individual in general, obviously it shows right now. So who were some like your biggest supporters that really helped you? I mean, obviously your mom. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Your mom. I'm sure she had a huge part in that. Yeah. 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 People that were really with you that were helping you see this through. Yes. Um, I would say, you know, um, my, my parents were a, a big part of it. Um, my boyfriend at the time was a huge, huge component of, of that healing journey. Um, people never really understand like how challenging a, an assault is for not just the person who it's happened to, but like family members and friends and, and people like significant others, you know, like that all, all was definitely really challenging for all of them. So Um, so definitely my parents, they were like the biggest supporters for me. Um, yeah, my significant other, um, my siblings were all really, really supportive of me. So, um, you know, my sisters, especially just because I think, um, they're, they're two people who I talk to regularly. So, you know, it, they were so supportive, my brothers too. Um, but you know, it's, it's something that um, definitely women can identify with, I think, almost a little bit more. And so, um, you know, which is not to say it doesn't happen to men. Of course yeah. it does. But, but yeah, um, my sisters were, were certainly super helpful on that journey and, and still are. So um, all of my college friends who, like, especially my roommates, the people who I lived with at that time, I think, you know, they will never know like how much I appreciated all of the, the things that they did. Um, just because I think, you know, like when you're grieving and when you're hurting and when you're, um, going through a really, really challenging time and people do like the smallest thing for you and you think it's like the biggest deal. So like my friend one time, like she, I remember she like ordered me food or like went and got me food somewhere like a few days after. And I was just like, 
I was like, I just started crying because I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I was like, this is so sweet. So yeah, I mean, I definitely think like the little things were so helpful and I, and I hope that's something that maybe hearing this, they'll, they'll be able to, to hear and, and know how much I appreciated that. But yeah, my friends, um, my therapists, both of them, the one that I had in, in Tuscaloosa and the one that I have now um, are both phenomenal people. And, and that process would not have been it couldn't have been done with without either of them. So I often say like the hardest person that I left in Tuscaloosa was my therapist because I <laughs> so yeah, she was great and she was so helpful. She she saved my life for sure. So so yeah, there were there were so many people and and I you know, I think that that's another thing to to note is that I recognize my privilege in that regard because I understand that there's plenty of survivors out there who don't have that support system. So for me it was like when I started to tell people it was, I mean, I was like floored at the response that I got because it was just, everybody was so supportive and, and you don't always think that they're going to be with something as delicate and as, um, and as, you know, kind of heavy as sexual assault. So it was something that like, when I told people, I was like, wow, I was just, you know, I was just floored with their response. So yeah, I'm definitely thankful for every single person. And been there and, and showed any kind of support. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm sure not everyone always is, or they might want to support, but they don't know how. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, so my oh, cough. Definitely. Yes. Totally. I don't know. Yeah. No, absolutely. You're you're totally right. There's there's so many like intricacy intricacies with with sexual assault that like no one thinks about. Like it's it's a topic that like. When, like, you can't just, like, walk into a room and, like, be like, hey, like, I'm a survivor of sexual assault, because, like, most people will be uncomfortable unless you're, like, walking into a support group or something. So, like, you know, of course, that's not always, like, that's not the first thing I lead with in a conversation, meeting someone new, you know. Um, I always want to tell them about, like, the awesome things that came after, you know, so like trauma queens, that's always something I'm like, yeah, I'll talk to people about that. Um, because you know, then they can get to know my story and, and I can kind of invite them in through that avenue. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like, it is, it is one of those topics that's, that's touchy to talk about. It just is. Um, and it's, it's my hope that we can kind of change that a little bit, make it a little bit more accepting for, for people to talk about. So yeah. And I think, that comes with, um, that comes with kind of just getting the message out that, you know, trauma to the body, whether it be, you know, sexual violence or, or anything else, um, trauma to the body, trauma to the mind, all of those things have to be healed at some point. So, um, and everybody has those, you know, everybody's had, everybody has traumas that have happened to them. So, um, whether they know it or not. So there's a lot of, um, kind of overlap, I think with trauma queens and, and the general population, just because there are a lot of people who have unhealed wounds that, um, that need to be healed and, and can be healed through, you know, like those holistic methods we talked about and proper nutrition and, and movement and mindfulness and yeah, all of that good stuff. So yeah, it's, it's my hope that there's a lot of overlap maybe with, with, uh, the average, average human too. So yeah. Oh, I think it is. And I think anyone who's gone through, like I said, it's a good chunk of people that have been through trauma at some point in their life is yeah, knowing that, mm-hmm. you know, you will be okay. You can do this because you are in charge absolutely. of yourself and yep. find your support system or yes. find what mm-hmm. works for you. Like don't succumb. To absolutely. Yeah. It. And I'm sure I can only imagine how easy that would be. Yeah. How easy oh yeah. Just, you know, stop because I mean, that's awful. It changes your brain. 
It does. Yeah. Your brain. Yeah. There's actually this really like fascinating kind of world of neuroscience. That's called, um, I believe it's called neuroplasticity. And it's kind of like the idea that we can, um, in the aftermath of trauma or in the aftermath of something really painful or really challenging, um, difficult loss, you know, anything like that, that we can basically rewire our brain to think differently about situations. Um, so this is really beneficial for a lot of, um, people who have been through trauma, it's, it's a beneficial thing for them to know because it makes them feel like there's some kind of hope and that there's some kind of like, okay, I can take this awful thing that happened and I can do something with it. Um, there's a fantastic book called option B and it's by, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, who was the, um, CEO, I think, or C, 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 O, O of Facebook. I, yeah, I can't remember what her title was, but, um, but she wrote it in the, it kind of in the aftermath of the loss of her husband. So, um, and she talks a lot about that, about how, you know, grieving and just loss in general can really um, help to reshape your brain and the way that you think about things. And I know it certainly has for me, um, only for the better, I think, you know, I, um, there's a lot of, a lot of parts of me that think so much differently about things now. And I never would have, I think, had that experience had I not, you know, had that awful thing happen, but, right. you know, in turn it ended up, it made me grateful. So, so yeah, there's, that's kind of neuro, neuroscience is always really interesting to me in terms of trauma. So, so yeah, that's, that's something I've learned. I want to check that book out. So are there other resources out there for those? I, mean, I would think, especially for those that maybe are struggling with, you know, whatever, they're going through that maybe yeah. a small place to start. Mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, option B was definitely a book that helped me a lot. Um, I think too, because the title itself, especially for me right now in my life is just kind of, it's super relevant. Like, you know, option A might not have worked, but option, there's always an option B. So option B is a great, great read. Um, I have so many like self-help books, like I, my entire desk, like where I'm sitting right now has all these self-help books. So I'm like trying to look around and think like which ones were the best, but you know, I think for me, the biggest thing was, um, you know, reading was, was really helpful, but I, I recognize that some people don't always, um, want to read about, about like, you know, especially survivors. Like for me, I didn't want to read about any, like any other survivors and their stories for a while. It just kind of gave me an outlet that gave me um, resources and things to turn to in the wake of trauma. But, you know, I think if people are going to start anywhere, the first place I would start would be talk therapy. Um, and there's a fantastic resource called psychologytoday.com where people can find uh, therapists in their area who specialize in certain things. So that would be, and it's all like, you can specialize it to your insurance and things like that. So I think that would be an awesome resource for people. Um, I think everybody should go to therapy. It's like a personal belief of mine. So <laughs> I think everyone should go. Um, and then I think, you know, if, um, if people can swing it, I think, you know, downloading some kind of meditation app to sort of help you as you start your meditation journey. Um, meditation has wonderful benefits, you know, aside from the fact that it helps with things like depression and anxiety and panic disorder and all of that. Um, it's a fantastic way to help kind of, again, rewire your brain to think a little bit differently, like, you know, to help you understand that you're safe and that your body is safe and it's a safe place to be. And um, so I think, yeah, meditation, starting some kind of practice in that realm is is really important. 
Um, I use an app that's called Simple Habit and it's amazing. It's like you can do meditations anywhere and it has something for every kind of like phase of life. So it's, it's an amazing app. Um, and then I think my last, you know, little tidbit of resources that I would say would be of the utmost importance is to journal. Um, and that was something that, you know, I look back on my journals from like the time right after my assault and it is like unbelievable. Like the, just the transition from then to now is like, it's just, it's remarkable. It's like, oh my gosh, I did, you know, like I wrote about all of these things and wrote all these feelings down and they, to see that transition into the way that I think now and the way that I write now is really, um, I think a beautiful thing and, and has helped tremendously. So yeah, I think if you can journal and, um, and practice some kind of mindfulness, you know, that those are all great resources to utilize, um, and all basically free, you know, so all things that you can do, um, from the comfort of your home and, and you don't have to go anywhere for them. So yeah, those would be my biggest, biggest resources, I think, for anybody who is struggling with any kind of, um, challenge in their life. Right. I think I might check out that simple habit. (laughs) It's so great. Um, it's free for like when you first start it, I, um, you can keep the free version, but I actually pay monthly for like the upgraded right. one. Cause I like love all of the meditations. Like they're so specific. Like there's some for like meditation for flying and like, you know, all of that stuff. So I just like, I'm such a nerd. I'm like, yeah, I want to have all the meditations I need. So yeah, absolutely. Especially if it's helping you so much, that's yeah. when it's worth the money. Yeah, absolutely. If you're feeling it's- better. So, so like, where can our listeners find you? Because I'm going to have a hard time believing that they're not going to want to check out like trauma queens and things we talked about. So how can they find you out there? (laughs) Yeah. So the easiest place to find me on on the internet these days is on Instagram. Um, You can find trauma queens. It's at trauma underscore queens. Um, It's trauma queens Instagram. And then my personal Instagram is just at mgelson. So um, those are the two best places to find me. I'm also on Twitter because like Twitter is like my favorite place on the internet. So like that's like where I go if I need a good laugh. And then um, you can also find me on Facebook. I'm happy to chat with anybody about um, yeah resources if they need any um, things that really helped me. I'm happy to talk about all of that. Um, I also have a blog that I write on um, and. made a promise to myself that I'm going to write on this blog like much more regularly um, because before Miss Iowa things just kind of got crazy but um, it's mmgelson.blogspot.com so uh, that's that's uh, linked up to my personal Instagram so so yeah those are kind of all the places where I'm at and uh, and my blog is definitely if you're in need of some hopefully some inspiration in terms of a life transition, you can go to my blog and hopefully that'll help you out because I'm there too. So well, you're so relatable. I think people will just go and find you and be like, yes, okay. She, you know, you probably, probably see you as like, Oh, runner up, you know, Iowa, all these amazing things, but to know that you're, oh, human that's the biggest misconception ever. <laughs> that's like the funniest thing when people are like, Oh, you've done pageants for so I've looked up to you for so long. I'm like, why? Like, I'm like, I'm literally such a human. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a mess half the time. So, so yeah, I'm happy to chat with anybody about any additional resources that they may need. Well, thanks, Maggie. I mean, you're so open and honest, and I know the listeners are going to relate to that and just be very appreciative. And I know I am. And like I said, I learned a lot too. Thank as always. you so much. Yeah, it's been a great pleasure to chat with you. I really enjoyed it. So, thank you.
Well, thanks, Maggie. We'll get excited to get this out on the internet for everyone to listen to soon. Yay, sounds good. I'm so excited. Thanks, Maggie. All right. Bye. Bye.